Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get our Flames Talk postgame show underway on this Friday night. 7-4, your final score. Flames over the stars. And we go immediately back to American Airlines Center in downtown Dallas and say hello to Connor Zeri, who is back in the lineup in this game tonight. Connor, another resilient game for your group, another comeback win for your group. But uh, felt like uh, a, a night where you actually was, were at your game for a good chunk of it. Just the score didn't necessarily go your way the whole way. How did you see it tonight? I thought we had our game pretty well tonight, even uh, maybe first period a little bit back and forth. But overall, I think we kind of brought our A game and, and played how we wanted to play. Obviously, there's, there's going to be little hiccups throughout the game, but I think we, we kind of stuck to it. And, you know, we went down a couple, but we were able to come back again. And I think that shows uh, the resiliency of the group over the last few weeks here. And I think we're, we're always ready to push, whether it's the first period or the third. I know you were down by one after 40 minutes of play, but it sure did feel like that game was still very much up for grabs. How did you feel? How did the group feel inside the locker room after two periods? Yeah, when we came in after after the second, I think we, we were pretty confident in our game. We we kind of knew that if we just got one, we'd, we'd kind of take over and, and win this game. So I think that was just our attitude, just keep doing what we're doing, and we'll go out there and win a, win a game in the final 20. Tell us about uh, the goal that you set up, made it 6-4, a pretty pass to Michael Backlund to give your group some insurance. Uh, how did it all develop for you, Connor? Yeah, it was it was a bit of a long shift in, in the D zone, but uh, Colsey made a play, a great play on the wall and, and slipped it to me, and I was uh, a little bit of heavy legs end of the shift, but uh, I was able to put that one through the backs, and, and uh, he, he went hard to the net and, and beat, the, beat his guy, and that's all I had to do was lay it out there in an area. How did it feel getting back in the lineup? I know you had uh, the minor injury that kept you out on Wednesday. How did it feel getting back in tonight? Yeah, it feels, feel, felt really good, I think. Just everyone kind of hates missing games, whether it's for injury or just it just being out. I think that always sucks. But I think to, to, to come back after only missing one game, just a couple of days to kind of regroup and let things settle. And, and uh, I felt a lot better than I did uh, on, on Monday in Seattle. So it, it was a good step forward. Final thought, you're into Denver tomorrow to take on the Avalanche. It's a, it's a tight turnaround to take on a team that's also coming back from a, a game on the road. What's, uh, what's key for your group to make sure you bring it in Denver on Saturday night? Yeah, I think same thing, really. It's, we got to be ready to play. Both teams coming into a back-to-back. Both teams traveling tonight after their game. So I think we got to be ready from the puck drop tomorrow. It's, it's always hard playing those back-to-back games, but I think you kind of got to try and get your rest tonight and, and prepare and, and have good preparation and, and commitment coming into tomorrow and, and you just kind of roll over consistently. Connor, good to see you back in the lineup. Congratulations on the win. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's Connor Zeri from Dallas. He had an assist as part of a Flames 7-4 victory over the Stars on this Friday night as uh, the weird and wacky games continue at American Airlines Center in Dallas for the Flames. They've now won six consecutive games in that building, and uh, they'll, uh, well, they will continue that streak for the time being because that was their only trip to that building this season. We're underway on your Flames Talk postgame show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you alongside Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills as we're underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line open at 960-960. Uh, Mick, it just never felt like that one was out of reach. Even at 4-2, um, I, I, it, it felt all night like, 
Yeah, Dallas has been opportunistic, but I never felt like they had a good handle on this game. And I actually thought right from puck drop, the Flames were skating. The Flames, uh, I, I, I know they fell down on three different occasions, but... I actually felt from an effort standpoint and a detail standpoint, um, they played a pretty solid 60-minute game tonight, and it just so happened that this one, they came from behind, but this one didn't feel like some of the other comebacks. It just felt like a, a night where they stuck with it and eventually got rewarded. Oh, yeah, this team has really developed a, a solid belief in that they play their game the way that they know they can. And they've shown it. They can beat really good teams. They definitely showed it tonight. But as long as they do that, uh, they'll do just fine. And so they just, they really stuck to their game plan no matter what. They didn't let that waver. There was no quit in the way that they played. And if this team's going to continue to win hockey games, they're going to have to do it just the way that they did tonight, which was by committee with all four lines going. Uh, defense playing really well. That was another thing I thought in terms of their play in the defensive zone. There were so many good sticks, great reads in terms of positioning, block shots. So just a great overall team effort and really like to see all four lines just rolling over like that. Hi. I actually thought that the Flames' fourth line kind of set the tone early in this game. And... The fourth line has been a non-factor for quite some time after getting off to a really good start this season. They just weren't getting good minutes. And you take a look at the minutes that they've been given, and that tells a story. You know, the the fourth line's been playing five, six, seven minutes a game. That's not enough for a team that really does want to roll four lines and three pairings. But uh, that group tonight, uh, Adam Rzitska had his best game of the season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.J. Greer had another good game. And I thought Dylan Dubé was strong tonight. So, you know, they were really good, especially early in the hockey game. And uh, the, the Flames get at least a point from 12 players. They get two points from six players. And from top to bottom, they were good. Even their goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, again, he made some really good saves at really key times when this game could have got away from the Flames, I would say, in the first half of the hockey game. So I know he gives up four, but uh, he was certainly better than uh, the Jake at the other end of the ice, Ottinger, for whatever reason. Isn't it bizarre? Yeah. I, I mean, he was <laughs> so good in that seven-game series between these two teams uh, in the first round a couple of years ago, and he's been so bad in six regular season games I against the Flames. I still don't know what happened on the Lindholm goal. Like, he was swimming all over the place yeah. on a weak shot. He looked like Jamie Alexiak's sister there. <laughs> trying to win another medal at the Olympics for Canada. But uh, a really strong effort for the Flames. And would you rather be leading from start to finish 82 times a season? Of course you would. But this team has now fought back to pick up at least a point, if not two, and get this, seven of their last nine games. And what they've done by doing that is build belief that even if they do fall behind in a hockey game, which is never ideal, They can come back. And I don't know about you guys. I don't think they had that belief last season or early this season. They sure do now. Yeah. 
Uh, let's select tonight's hardest working flame ah. first. Brought to you by Canyon <laughs> Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Uh, as, as we mentioned, a very spread out effort by the Flames, and they got scoring from everywhere tonight. Uh, but who are you going with? All forwards who scored in this game tonight as well. No, uh, no defense goals, defense points, but no goals. But who are you going with as our hardest working flame? tonight well I've never been one to really focus in on points and stats as in terms of being an indicator of who the best player on the ice was Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna go with an unsung hero in Chris Tanev I thought he just had a really solid game he wasn't given credit for any block shots but he definitely blocked a whole bunch of stuff in front of the net and he was plus four, so that's a that's a an indication of his defensive play. I know plus minus isn't always telling, but you know I think in this situation, you know it passes the eye test just in terms of what a really solid game that he played. And you know that's he's the type of guy that he got an assist, so that's definitely a positive. But just in the way that he plays constantly and how smart he is in the defensive zone, he really sets the tone for the group back there. So he's my pick tonight. Chris Tanev is your hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Our Flames Talk post games underway following a 7-4 win on the road in Dallas. So Flames now 6-2-2 two two in uh, this 10-game stretch. So their first 10 dismal 271 second 10 better pretty good 62 and 2 that uh, at the very least gets them close to uh, climbing out of the hole they dug for themselves to start the season they're back to one game below the 500 mark Derek our marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills Toyota we were uh, focusing in on the start of a really tough 15 game stretch uh, this 15 games between the, including this one uh, between now and Christmas time they play Dallas twice, they play Vegas twice, they play Colorado twice, they've got games against Tampa and Florida and Carolina, Los Angeles, Vancouver, like some real heavy hitters Mm -hmm. in both conferences. Well, they they started it off the way they needed, and you can only only get your four points on a back-to-back by winning the first one. You can only get your 30 points of uh, possible 30 by getting the first one. not saying they're going to get all 30 of the – 30 on the table here. But so the, negative. I'm just, just going to bet against it. Maybe 29. But uh, they, 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 they played a good game tonight and got off to a good start. And uh, that has to be a, another confidence builder. Not just that they beat the Stars. Not just that they came from behind. But they also erased a pretty ugly loss in Nashville yeah, on Wednesday. That was a great response because they played terrible in that mm-hmm. game against the Predators. And they said as much after. Uh, slow and sloppy, I believe, is how Ryan Huska des- described his team's performance in that 4-2 loss. And I think that score was actually flattering for the Flames. It could have been worse. But tonight, uh, they were inspired, which is something that they were not on Wednesday night. And even though they fell behind one nothing, and then 2-1 and then 4-2, they just stuck with their game and kept on coming and were a pretty relentless team. And it was really good to see. And yeah, now you've uh, guaranteed uh, a good road trip. It'll be a great road trip if you can pick up two points. And uh, I would say a really good road trip, even if you can get one in a game against the Avalanche in Denver tomorrow night. And uh, a good start to what is a really tough 15-game stretch. 
between now and Christmas. And it's interesting, Pat, because I was listening to Flames Talk, a replay of it with you and Wes Gilbertson on my drive in. And you were basically saying that, you know, even if the Flames do well during this 15-game stretch, that you don't think that that should necessarily alter their course because of the sample size. But I guess how I would push back on that is their start to the season going 2-7-1 and one seemed to alter their course because prior to that, they wanted to re-sign two or three or all four of their pending UFAs. And then that suddenly changed or potentially changed. So uh, a good start. And I think they're going to have to be well over 500 between now and Christmas for the team to commit to being competitive this season. Uh, but you can only win one game at a time and, and they want a, a big game against a good team tonight. Good start. Yeah, and Ryan Huska, just building on what you said about saying the last game was slow and sloppy, and you also mentioned how they responded, and that was, I think, one of his big takeaways as well. It's just the importance of how you respond after a game like that. But for me also, uh, in thinking about this stretch that they have coming up and the difficult schedule and teams that they have, they need to find a better balance in terms of playing at such opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about in-game, like riding the momentum swings, and they've obviously gotten much better about, uh, you know, just not getting so high, not getting so low within games. And now it's looking at from game to game, how can you start piecing together, you know, a more consistent effort I guess you could say that's something I've always been so big on that in that one of the the greatest things that you can bring as a player and as a team is just that consistency and finding that is really really hard but they're definitely going to need to find more of that consistency moving forward only thing I'd say about uh with with that point you made Derek was that I, I don't I don't think that this 15 game stretch is irrelevant. I think it will uh, tell us a lot about this group. I just think you're into the season. You didn't sign these guys in the off season for whatever reason. It still feels like you're going to have to pay significant premiums to to keep at least one, if not two, of these guys. I just feel like you you might be missing an opportunity to set yourself. I, I guess I just don't see this group right now as a Stanley Cup contender. I Could they make the playoffs? Sure they could. I thought they were to, going into the season. I just feel like because they haven't signed yet and because they're off to a very middling start, it's just an opportunity to pounce where they could really do themselves better for the organization and get themselves to a much higher level. Like right now, I see them as a middle-of-the-road team. And could be a playoff team, could not be a playoff team. If they make a couple of really pragmatic moves between now and the trade deadline, yeah, I don't think they'll be as competitive this season, but I think they could be much more competitive in two years. And that would be the only thing that that the, the thing that worries me is if they do sign some of these guys, that they remain a middle of the road team and and don't and miss that opportunity, which I think yeah. is a golden one. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. And I know that uh, a lot of fans are tired of their favorite team being stuck in the murky middle. I get it. It's been a long time since the Flames made a a deep playoff run. And and that's what fans want. They want to watch hockey in the spring. Uh, But 
on the flip side, and just to play devil's advocate, Pat, I, I certainly respect your opinion, and uh, it's something I've thought a lot about myself, but you go back to the start of, of last season. People looked at this team as a Stanley Cup contender, and individually, I'd say more than half the team had down years. Collectively, they were awful. Uh, it didn't look like they wanted to play for their coach anymore at the end of the year, uh, at least some of the guys. And their goaltender went from being at a Vesna Trophy level to being at a backup level. I mean, it's tough to win when all those things conspire against you. And they were still a team, to their credit, that was competitive almost each and every night. Just they couldn't find ways to win one-goal games or in overtime or in shootouts. Well, they've proven less than a quarter of the way into the season that uh, some of the intangibles they were missing last season, they don't appear to be missing this season. This is a team that's starting to find ways to win, which is really an encouraging sign for me. And I just, I, without knowing what they would get in return for Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, and Nikita Zadorov, it's tough for me to sit here and say that they would be better or wouldn't be better off just letting those guys go and restocking the cupboards with picks, prospects, and hopefully if they go down that road, some young NHL-ready players. That's the type of return I would want to, I'd like to see them get if, if they go down that road. Which I think is realistic. Right. Um, but at the, same se- at the same time, Noah Hannafin is 26 years old, and you could argue he is a first-pairing defenseman. I don't think committing $7 million a season to him over the next eight years would be the worst thing in the world. He's an elite skater. I think he will age well in this league. Uh, I don't hate that. Elias Lindholm's a couple of years older, but how long did the Flames look for a number one setter? Two decades? And I'm not saying he's an elite number one center, but he's the best number one center they've had in a long, long time. And and maybe eight years is a little bit too long. But hey, when you're in a market like Calgary, you're probably going to have to overpay a little bit. And you're probably going to have to give a little bit more term than you'd love to. Chris Tanev's a little different story. You could probably get him on a, a shorter term contract with, at his age. And, and then Nikita Zadorov, I'm wondering if that ship has maybe sailed anyway. So I would actually be surprised, even if the Flames do go on a really good run here, if they didn't eventually move him. So for me, I think we're going to know way more about this team at the Christmas break. And if they're still kind of hovering around 500, then they're probably going to have to go in a direction that some want them to and some don't want them to. And I guess the other factor, Pat, even if the Flames want to sign one or two or three of these guys... It's kind of not do, just up to them. Do right? they mm-hmm. want yeah. to sign here? Yeah. And what happens between now and Christmas could really impact things on both the team side and the player side. If this team is competitive, guys are more likely to want to be a part of it. If it's not, then they might want to move to a team that could compete for a Stanley Cup sometime soon. Yeah. It's fascinating. It depends what it's like in the room, like you said. Like, what's yeah. the feel of the team? Are you having fun playing? Do you feel like you're playing? You're in an environment where you can play to your full potential. Is your family happy? Like, there's so many different things that would factor into whether or not a player would want to sign. And like you said, it depends what the offer is on the table. Like, I would love to see what teams are throwing at Craig Conroy right now to to make any offers. It would be that would be really interesting. Patty, don't you think they're in a real, really unique position? Because I don't think that there are any teams who are currently where the Flames are, or closer where the Flames are in the standings, that are talking about trading for their best players. 
20 games into the season. But I understand why that conversation's happening because they've got four high-profile players who are pending UFAs. I just mm-hmm. think it, they're in such a unique position. Like, do, do you guys remember another team being in this position at this stage of the game? Because I can't come up with a good example. Winnipeg, but they signed their guys. Yeah. Um, they signed Shifley and Hellebuck, and they traded two of them during – well, I guess they said goodbye to Wheeler and traded Dubois during the offseason. So Winnipeg would be the most recent close to it. Um, I don't know if I don't know, off the top of my head I can't think of anything recently that would be a similar situation in the league. Yeah, would, it's interesting. Would it be fair to say that maybe they're they're looking for the type of player that's going to be that it factor, and that not generational player, so to say, but just somebody who, when they're on the ice, they have the ability to really be a game changer. Do yeah. you know, does that make sense? Like a hundred percent. They don't have that guy right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. They don't have someone that you know, on a regular basis, steps up and is the guy. Like a Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah. Or a Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. And Maybe they tried to keep Gaudreau, and they had no choice but to trade Kachuk. So that kind of put him in a tough spot. But I don't know. I I think this team is trending in the right direction, and we live in a world where it's what have you done for me lately, and. A lot of people were feeling pretty good about this team when they went 5-1-2 and two during an eight-game stretch and then jumped right off the bandwagon after a poor performance against the Predators on Wednesday. So I'm kind of anxious to see where people are at when I drive home tonight, Pat. Okay, here's the uh, – before we hear from uh, Ryan Huska and uh, get some final thoughts from you two, if, uh, if the Flames get a deal right now for Noah Hannafin that uh, is a first-round pick, another pick, and an uh, NHL-ready player that they really like – do you make that trade like next week? I need more information. Who are they trading with? Because I need to try to figure out where that pick's going to be. And is that NHL-ready player a defenseman? Okay, I'll give you – I'll give you uh, – what about my Anaheim one? My one that I threw out earlier. Where Can you, you get, repeat that? So it was Olin Zellweger. It was a first-round pick. Uh, there's a 20-year-old D who's uh, almost point per game in a, as a rookie in the American League and a, and a first-round pick from the Ducks. With all due respect to Noah Hannafin, I would do that deal. I would too. Because that pick's going to be top 10 probably. Yeah. We're not talking about a 28th overall pick and a fringe prospect. You're, you're talking about probably a top 10 pick and a player who can slot in on your blue line. This makes me think about Oliver Shillington again. Because prior to the start of the season, I was actually for the Flames moving on from Noah Hannafin if they could get the right deal. Because I thought you got a top right. four guy in Oliver Shillington coming back who you can slide onto a pairing with Chris Tanev. Is he at Noah Hannafin's level? Probably not quite. Brings some different things to the table, but you, you'd still have a good top four. But him being out of the equation for the time being, and maybe forever, who knows, changes it for me a little bit. But that, that'd be a tough one to turn down, Pat. I'm guessing it would be for you as well. Would be for yeah, me, yeah. 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 Um, oh, yeah, I said I would take it. And I hate even talking about yeah. it because, you know, ultimately I'd like to see them find a way to keep Hannafin, a yep. deal that works for the player and the team. He's 26. He's playing great right now, and I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff anytime soon the way he skates. Yeah. Uh, okay. Head coach Ryan Huska in just a second. 7-4. Flames beat the Stars on the road in Dallas. Let's some final thoughts, though, from our broadcast duo of Megan Mickelson and Derek Will starting with Mick. Yeah, just a great way to kick off a back-to-back and securing that 
the team will come home from this road trip above 500, but just really liked seeing a much more complete game. And obviously being a former defenseman myself, I and play, place. Oh yeah, I guess forward. <laughs> <laughs> a defensive forward. Uh, place a lot of emphasis on D-zone play and just how important it is, especially against a team like the Dallas Stars. And just thought the Flames, I mean, we can talk about the goals and the points, but they did a great job tonight in the defensive zone in terms of really mitigating the level of risk that they were facing from the Dallas Stars. So loved the D-zone play, did a much better job uh, of getting through the neutral zone. And then if you look at the goals that they scored they were from the slot, inner slot. All six goals, the seventh empty netter, so discount that one doesn't, I mean it counts, but doesn't count in terms of <laughs> looking at where the goals came from. So going to those tough areas, um, and that's the way that they're going to score goals. It's just the the nature of the makeup of this team. Um, and then just, you know, from top to bottom, contribution from everyone, timely saves from Jacob Markstrom. So a lot of really great things to take away from this one. But, you know, as a player going into, you know, a tough stretch, these guys really need to make sure that they're prioritizing rest, recovery, doing all the things that you need to do to try to, to optimize um, from a physiological standpoint, how you can get the best out of your body um, in what's going to be a, a physically demanding stretch uh, and just making sure that they're being diligent with that as well. Well, I loved, not the game, but how Ryan Huska described the game on Wednesday night. He said the Flames were slow and sloppy. Tonight, they were fast and what would be the opposite of sloppy? Clean, neat, I don't know. Fabricated. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Any of those works, but much better. Yeah. I mean, they look like the team that we saw for the most part during that eight-game stretch where they went 5-1-2. and two. What has impressed me most about this team is their stick to because even when they fall behind, they don't get away from their game, or when they fell behind, they didn't get away from their game tonight. It hasn't been that way every night, but way more often than not, at least of late. And and the resolve. I mean, you're playing the best team in the Central Division and arguably one of the best teams in the league. You fall behind one nothing, 2-1, and 4-2, and you keep on coming. You tie the game three times. You finish it off with five unanswered goals, and you pick up two really important points. And I said prior to the start of this trip, if they can get four out of eight playing four and six, that's a good road trip. Well, they've already got four of six. And if they can get another one or two more before they come home, that would be a great road trip. So a uh, really fun game, as every game between the Flames and the mm. Stars uh, has been over the last couple of years. And uh, looking forward to what will hopefully be a, a good game between two tired teams tomorrow. Tough turnaround for the Flames going from Dallas to Denver, but not an easy turnaround for the Avalanche going from St. Paul home to Denver. So uh, maybe two tired teams will lead to another 11-goal game. Uh, one can hope. <laughs> be well. Have a uh, wonderful rest of your Friday. See, uh, see you both tomorrow. Okay. Thanks, Pat. Bye, Pat. Derek and Megan signing off. 7-4, your final score. Flames score five unanswered to erase a 4-2 deficit and come back for the victory. They are uh, back to one game below the 500 mark on the season. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska right now. 
Players rise to the occasion to play a team that's uh, up at the top. Uh, yeah. What did you see from your group next um, uh, Resilience, I guess I would say. We're down 4-2 to again, and we found a way to come back and probably play our best period in the third. But I liked our when you're, you see a 7-4 game and the coach says you like the defense. <laughs> um, probably doesn't you know, make a lot of sense. But I thought our guys in the back end made some plays with composure tonight. And um, I thought that was a big part of our game, which allowed us to have some success off the rush. Was that maybe most example, uh, amplified kind of after you got the lead in the third, just how little you gave up? Yeah, but even even the rush chances that we got, was they were opportunities because we moved the puck better out of our own zone. So I thought there was more poise and more composure from our defensemen tonight. You guys spent a lot of time this morning talking about the importance of kicking off this tough stretch with yeah. a win and uh, they did exactly what you needed them to do. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, there were stretches where I thought, you know, they opened us up through the neutral zone for sure, but I, th- I thought we stuck with it. And we already talked about the third period was our best period. And um, Lindy's goal, we haven't got a lot of those this year. So it was nice to see one kind of actually go in for us. So it's a, it's a big win. Now we got to turn the page pretty quickly here. Could you sense a determined group going out for that third period, that, that confidence? They, they were good between periods, you know, than they have been. It's like we've talked about all year. There's There's been a resolve um, with them to to go out and, you know, whether it's play well or be a difference maker. Um, and I thought we had good contributions from different lines here tonight too, which is important. Your fourth line scores two goals. This is a big thing. Elias's line was um, maybe the best they've looked as a as a trio so far this year. So there's a lot of, a lot of positives to take. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska, short and sweet tonight, following a 7-4 win on the road in Dallas. Flames will uh, hit the road. They'll travel to Denver as we do our Flames Talk postgame show where they play the Avalanche on Saturday night. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. We'll take a break, come back with your phone calls, your texts. We'll go back inside the Flames locker room a bunch more times and a whole lot more. So the Flames uh, now finish their second 10-game stretch of the season at 6-2-2 two, and two, and they'll open up 10-game uh, stretch number 3 on Saturday night in Dallas. This is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts and this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Flames take a 7-4 victory in Dallas. Make it six consecutive trips into American Airlines Center during the regular season where they've picked up victories. That dates back to 2019 uh, that this streak has been going on. Uh, They uh, started this six-game regular season win streak uh, in October of 2019, and here we are in November of 2023. So uh, they haven't lost in the regular season. Now COVID and uh, a couple of strange seasons will help that, and obviously they played two playoff series against one another, which if you really want would skew some of those numbers as well, but in the regular season haven't lost there in uh, more than four years and uh, they always seem to be weird remember the two games in there last year flames led 6-1 and ended up winning 6-5 and then uh, in in March looked like it was destined for overtime Dallas erased a 4-2 lead and then uh, this thing was definitely going to overtime until Tyler Toffoli scored with less than five seconds to go on a breakaway and then tonight it was 4-2 Dallas and I will say that 
that Stars team looked nothing like the team that played uh, Vegas on Wednesday. The team that played Vegas on Wednesday looked like a Stanley Cup contender. the The team that played the Flames tonight, they were. They, I, I don't know. I don't know if they thought. Uh, I don't know if it became a situation where they kind of scored some. They, they, they didn't really – it didn't feel to me anyway that when Dallas led one nothing and 2-1 and 4-2 that they had really worked hard for their goals and, and kind of felt like they were, I don't know, not full marks for being out 4-2. Like, I thought Calgary was the better team for the vast majority of this hockey game. And so even at 4-2, it just never felt like this game was over and it never felt like Dallas had it in them to uh, bear down and, and switch the way they were playing and, and really lock things down. So – Good on the Flames for finishing things off the way they did. Good on the Flames for sticking with it the entire night. I know this will go down as a comeback win for the Flames, but I actually felt they were the better team all night long, so it just happened to be a comeback. wasn't one of those nights where you know you felt like, oh, geez, they needed to regroup after 40 and, and come out with a much better effort. Huh? The first period resembled the second period, which resembled the third period. just so happened that they fell down 4-2 and then scored five in a row. They were full marks, I felt, for the second. 7-4 victory, despite the way it ended up going. So, good on them. Uh, they're 6-2-2 two two to wrap up their second 10-game stretch of the season. Blake Coleman, game-tying goal. He moved back into the team uh, the team lead with six goals on the season. Coleman had a goal and two points in a very good effort for him. He was plus one as well. Let's hear from the Texas native and the Thanksgiving host, Blake Coleman post-game in Dallas. Well, maybe uh, maybe this all adds up. I mean, the the team dinner, the family dinner, and then you get the goal, and uh, and and how that how good that one feel? Yeah, it felt really good. Um, you know, it was it was a big win for us. You know, I think the Nashville game was um, definitely a setback for us, and we didn't really feel good about our effort. And uh, it was important that we found a way to dig for this one. It's a good team on uh, on home ice, so. Um, another comeback, and and uh, speaks to the way our group feels about ourselves right now. How would you describe the way that you guys played, specifically to start that third period, and then the way you kind of carried through? It's just a quiet confidence. Um, you know, guys are making plays, and and it's up and down the lineup. It's it's not relying on on one guy to do the job, and it's you know we know that's our recipe, and um, you know we're sticking with it. And um, like, you know, like I said. Guys had timely goals, got the saves, and we needed them, and, and we're going to sneak out here with two points. When you talk about that confidence, I mean, where's the team's head at in that second intermission? Because you were kind of playing catch-up, but it, it felt like your game was getting better throughout the night. Yeah, it was getting better. Obviously, they took a two-goal lead. Um, you know, we got it back to one, and then just, you know, there's something, about, something to be said about just simplifying things on the road, and I thought we started to do that as the game went along and uh, made their D go back for pucks and um, just kept wearing them down as it went, and like I said, it's just a, it's not much that has to be said anymore. It's just a, it's a quiet confidence with our group and we're playing for each other and, and uh, you know, we're finding ways to put points on the board and, and that's important right now. Could it have been a, any better way to start this uh, tough stretch that you guys got ahead of your schedule wise? It's a big one and obviously you don't want to look too far ahead, but we know, we know the road ahead is going to be a, a great challenge for us. But, you know, it seems in a weird way we seem to raise our game for, uh, for the best competition. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a good measuring stick, and you know, most importantly, we got one tomorrow. Uh, really quick turnaround. It's going to be a late night, so this is going to be a, a game that uh, guys are going to really have to learn how to how to fight through the fatigue, and um, you know, because these are still two really big points to get us back to 500. Tell me about the hat. Uh, <laughs> this is my new baby. Uh, honestly, I'm just too lazy. I don't want to do my hair, and uh, so my uh, 
my wife was kind enough to pick me one up this morning and drive it to uh, to me for the game, and she's one and zero, so she might get another another test tomorrow. There you go. That is uh, <laughs> that is uh, Blake Coleman post game. I'm laughing because uh, the Flames Twitter account just put up a picture of Blake Coleman in the hat that Francis just asked him about, um, and uh, he's it's great hat. And uh, I rink you should leave, which is my favorite Twitter account going. Um, <laughs> asks the Flames, is that a stanzo? <laughs> Again, only if you've seen I Think You Should Leave would you get it. But that just made me laugh. Uh, that was quite funny. Uh, Blake Coleman, great game for him. The Texas native with the game-tying goal and uh, two points in a 7-4 win over the Dallas Stars. Uh, it's time for tonight's Save of the Game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. Jacob Markstrom got the start tonight, and he uh, gave us his uh, Save of the Game in period number one. Here comes Robertson the other way. Delivers a pass to Hintz, weaves his way in, Hintz in front, and now Pavelski with a shot that's stopped by Markstrom. Well, Joel Pavelski got behind the Flames' defense there. He was one-on-one with Jacob Markstrom, who makes another terrific stop. That is one of the 24 made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that's his save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Uh, let's get to the text line for the first time tonight at 960-960. By the way, I thought, uh, you know, I, I, I think that Markstrom, um, was this his best night? No, but when the Flames needed him to battle so the game didn't get away on them, on a few different occasions, made some big stops. Expect to see Dan Vladar Saturday against the Avalanche. He's got a 9.25 career save percentage and two starts against the Avs. So that would be the uh, that would be the smart bet that you'll see Vladar Saturday night in Denver. Um, okay. To the text line we go at 960-960. This says, Pat, have to disagree with Wilsey a bit here on the prior conversation. I look at the successes right now as a blessing to up the value of the players they need to move. You can't count on these comebacks continuing, and just as much as you don't want to judge the team on their first eight or nine, you can't all of a sudden think this team's a contender based on an eight or nine game stretch, especially when they involve comebacks and not really controlling hockey games start to finish. If this team was five or six games below 500 and losing three out of every for the desperation the other teams would see would slowly erode any value to the trade chips count this stretch as a great big blessing that they can hold or even add value to these players and hope it continues yeah i mean i i don't i i don't i i i think that derek's point also is that we still don't know what this flames team is it was an awful 10 game stretch but i don't think they were as they were two seven and one in their first 10 and I don't think that they were as bad as two seven and one. They're six two and two in their last ten. I don't think that they're that good either. Like I don't think that they're. I don't look at them and be like, oh yeah, well this is a six two and two team for the rest of the year because you know in this ten game stretch they've just barely slipped by some really mediocre teams. Um, however, against a quality team like oh this is a quality win tonight. Oh, this is a a full marks win for the Flames because I thought they were the better team from start to finish. And you know, was Dallas as good as uh, we expect them to be? Maybe not, but I thought from a Flame standpoint against a good team. They played, they played well start to finish, and, and they were the better team from start to finish in this game. So, um, yeah, and I, so do I know what this team is? No, although we now have 102 games with this core that gives us a, a decent body of work, right? And, and I, 
I definitely would not take a 6-2 and be like, well, that outweighs the prior 92 games prior to that. But there's still a lot of games left between the trade deadlines, so maybe there still is time for this group to be a whole lot better than what we expected. As of right now, for me, I don't think that you can be uh, – I I think the chances are best that the – return you get in trades for your pending unrestricted free agents would be more valuable than signing those guys to extensions based on where the team is right now. That's how I feel on November 24th. We'll see how things are on December 24th when the Flames hit the Christmas break because they'll have played 15 really difficult games when we're sitting here on Christmas Eve in one month's time. We'll see. Um, this says, and you know what? I, I I don't think that I don't think that you know Derek and me or and, and others like I don't think that we're all that on different pages. I think Derek's very much in a wait and see standpoint, not ready to commit one way or the other. It's probably fair. I don't know if the Flames are in a spot where they're ready to commit one way or the other to trades or to re-signings. Uh, this from Sam. Pat, great to see the Flames have an offensive outburst tonight to cover an average night from Markstrom. They got the Coleman family Thanksgiving bump. I agree with you and would pull the trigger on your mock trade for Zellweger and a first for Hannafin. Amazing pass by Zeri on the Backlund goal. Great to see the fourth line have a great night tonight. That comes from Sam. Again, you know, even even those who uh, think that it's too early to be making trades or declare that they need to sell off their UFAs, even though I think most people would make a trade like that that I suggest. It doesn't mean it exists. I'm just saying that so I think there'd be a lot of people who would say yes to certain trades depending on the type of trades that they are. Uh, here's Dylan who says, what a thrilling comeback. It's crazy what a heated seven-game playoff series can do to ignite a rivalry. Credit where it's due. Manjapani's been winning puck battles for the last few games, which is great to see. Yegor is really speeding up. Maybe one day Flames draft pick Yegor Yegorov can get into the lineup and we can monopolize the NHL's Yegors. Uh, you think Murray Edwards is on the phone with Conroy telling him to re-engage in contract time? yet? Sure hope not, but I'd think so. I'd love to target six foot seven right-hand D Lamaru from Arizona. Uh, no, I don't think that Murray Edwards is on the phone saying that. I, I think that those contract talks will remain on hold for quite some time here. Uh, this from Spencer, who says it's become clear the Flames need to take the Nashville route as the deadline approaches. My question for you, Pat, is what does your ideal offseason look like after they move out the UFAs on this team for future assets? I'm terrified of thinking of about the setbacks that would come from bad UFA signings this summer after making moves towards the future as the season goes on. I think the ideal offseason is depending on the type of assets you get, but if you trade all four guys and say that's the way they end up going and you get a couple first-round picks and you get some other top 60 and top 90 picks, you get a couple of uh, maybe NHL-ready or very close to NHL-ready skaters, well, then you're in a spot where you've added a lot to your cupboards and maybe you can make one of those or turn one of those first-round picks into another NHL-ready player in the offseason, another younger NHL-ready player who's in the 23-, 24-year-old range, similar to what the Canucks did at uh, the deadline last year when they got Philip Roenick. So, yeah, I, I think that exists as an opportunity. That's the type of offseason I think that would would – I think would be ideal to follow if they do end up making some of these trades. And I don't think they'd be chasing, 
UFAs to the extent that, that Spencer's worried about. I really don't. Um, this from UConn Marty says, uh, Wilsey channeling his inner Ed Whalen categorizing the Flames' stick to on tonight's comeback win. Congrats, Flames. Good effort. Keep it going. Stay ahead of the Oilers. That's, that was good by Wilsey. Stick to Um... Ash says, I left to pick up my wife from a work trip when the Flames were losing 4-2. Got home when the game ended. The takeaway for me is to not watch tomorrow's game. Good point. Don't watch tomorrow, Ash. Uh, in any case, great to see the Flames offense step up for Markstrom uh, for once as he wasn't as strong tonight. Also, do you think Ben Jones will ever get recalled from the Wranglers? Yeah, it's a possibility. I think that he would still be behind Coronado and Klapka probably just based on uh you know, just the overall pecking order. However, if they were really looking for a number four center, if that became something that they were really looking at, I think Jones would be a guy they'd look at maybe first in that situation. Marcus in Creston says... A huge win from the Flames tonight, but Huberdeau was silent again. People are saying they need to trade for Duclair and do all this stuff to get Huberdeau going, but in my opinion, they're paying him $10.5 million to be the guy who elevates anybody he's around, not the other way around. He needs to be more consistent on a nightly basis with whoever he plays with. Let's see what he does against Colorado tomorrow because I thought the three prior games, four prior games-ish, whatever it was, he was pretty good. Uh, tonight, didn't, didn't notice him much. Thought it was a pretty quiet night overall for Backlund uh, and and Huberdo until Backlund scored that goal in the third period. But yeah, I didn't think that Huberdo was as strong tonight, but if he's much better against Colorado, that's five out of his last six, which he'll take. Uh, that's that's pretty good for an NHLer. Uh, not, not every guy, even the very best, is on on every single night. But if it's few and far between and it's like five and six games in between when a guy's not as effective, I think you'll take that. Uh, Neil in the Northeast says, tonight the boys played a good road game. Markey continues to shine and has been the team's best player. Active defense is a strength of the team. With the pending movement of key defensemen, will this group be able to continue with their current game plan? Potentially, depending on you know if they get defensemen back in return turn and and some of the guys they might be able to elevate to the NHL roster from the American League I always think active D is part of what Ryan Huska wants this group to bring to the table um Scotty says, an amazing game for the Flames. Absolutely fired up. Great way to start a Friday night here in Victoria. Complete game by the entire team. Yes, they let in four goals, but for a high-scoring team against a talented team, I don't think that's bad. Markstrom also played great and uh, made some clutch saves. That's from Scotty in Victoria. Uh, This says, thought it was a great comeback. For sure, something the team needed and probably gives them some confidence going into tomorrow against against Colorado. Uh, This says, Flames pulled that one off despite Markstrom letting in three bad goals. The Lindholm, Sharon, Govich, Bonjapani line was great. Do you think they may keep that together for a while? That's from Jerry in Van on Van Isle. Yeah, I think that that would stick together uh, at least for tomorrow in Colorado and I thought that was a really good line tonight. By far, Sharon Govich's best night as a Flame, but also he's been moving in the right direction. He's now got uh, what? That would be five points in his last four games. Uh, three of them are goals. 
So, you know, he's he's really been moving in the right direction, which is a positive. Two more texts before we hit the phone lines. Um, this says from Leandro, so I thought it was bringing the bad luck tonight. It was flipping the game on and off, and every time I had my eyes on it, the boys are down, and Markstrom didn't look good. So I sat and had dinner with some friends, checked the apps, and bam, they're up 6-4. Good decision, I guess. Hockey gods didn't want me watching tonight. How was Markey in the third? Markstrom strong in the third, did exactly what he needed to do to shut the door. And finally from Thomas, Sharon Govich, um, best game as a flame. He's quietly creeping up, uh, having a fantastic season. Yeah, I think he's really started to... uh, settle in and get comfortable with his new team, which is big for the Flames because we talked a lot about how he could be a real nice addition if he could add some secondary scoring. Great work on the uh, text line at 960-960. Let's get to the phone lines following a Flames 7-4 win over Dallas. Uh, It's uh, 403-240-4444 on the phone lines. Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. George is kicking us off tonight. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good to hear, my friend. Yeah, Sharon Govich was unreal tonight. Uh, every aspect of his game was very impressive tonight. I mean, everything. Offensive, defensive, his 200-foot game. That was easily his, his best game of the year as a Flame. And the thing is, it's, it's taken some time, but he seems more comfortable in a Flames jersey now. And it's it, you just hope it stays that way because, yeah, he was he was awesome tonight. Yeah, he was really good tonight. He's been and 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 he's been trending in a really good direction now for I want to say around a month or so. Like it's, uh, I know there's been lots of criticism on him, and there's definitely a spotlight on him because of the deal he was involved in. But I think he's been kind of moving in the right direction for the better part of a month. No, one hundred percent, very true, very true. And uh, you could tell they missed Zary last game, and it definitely showed tonight. That that saucer pass he makes the backman to set up his goal was elite. Like that was. That was an insane pass. Like the, the best of the best playmakers make those kinds of passes, and that was that was unbelievable. Yep, it was a nice pass. Yeah, so ho- hopefully he's healthy and he's like he, he and pa- Possible at this point they're on the team, right? Like there, there's no way they're going anywhere. I mean, unless season, unless so. we see a drastic turnaround um, for the yeah. for the worse. Yeah. But yeah, as of right now, I I don't see any reason to disagree with that. But, but it's definitely not trending in that direction. So, like, let's put it like this. It would be uh, an unmitigated surprise if that happened with either player. Yes, I, I, or or it would be a big-time disappointment, too, based on how they've started. I mean, Pospisil needs waivers now to go down, so I think he's up for, at the very least, the very foreseeable future, or, or the long-foreseeable future, rather. And Zeri, who is waiver-exempt, well, I mean, we we see what type of offensive impact he makes. So he's he he would need like seven or eight or nine games in a row where he was pretty ineffective for I, I think the American League conversation to pop up again. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, who do you think like when they eventually are put in a position where they got to call someone up from uh, from the Wranglers? Who do you, who do you think it will? Be, you think it will be Coronado first? I mean, I guess it would depend on need. Um, if they need to call a defenseman, it probably wouldn't be Coronado. Um, 
But, yeah, if, if I were to be a betting man, I'd probably say Coronado would be first. I think Klapka would be in that mix. I, I think Jones would be in that mix. Um, and then if it was a defenseman, we'd be having a different conversation. Maybe Solovyov would be the guy. But, yeah, I, I think if it was just a recall right now to, to give the group a little pop offensively, it, it would be Coronado. And I, I still think there's reason to have that conversation because the power play did go 0 for 3 tonight. Now, I will say I, I thought the power play did give them – uh, didn't kill momentum tonight, and it was especially the um, it was the Hockenpah penalty that put the Flames on the power play late in the second. That I, I actually really came away saying, yeah, they didn't score on that, but for the first time, I felt like maybe it gave them momentum. You know, many times this yeah, year, the I power agree. play sucked momentum out of the Flames. Well, I thought maybe it added a little bit more to their momentum. Uh, they got back within one prior to the power play, then had a good power play that didn't score. They were feeling good going into the second intermission, and then, you know, obviously they had the great start to the third. I'm not saying that I'm right, and clearly that was the reason why they had a great start to the third, because I think that would have happened anyway, but I, I felt like that added to the momentum a little bit. But, yeah, I, I still think there's reason to have lots of conversations about bringing Coronado back at some point here in the not-so-distant future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to go back to the conversation you and Mr. Wills had uh, post-game, um, you know, I, I do see both points, but in, in my opinion, I think you have no choice but to trade all the pending UFAs for assets, e- even if they are somehow in a playoff spot, the trade deadline. Uh, you know, if you don't learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat it. And I, and this franchise cannot lose UFAs for nothing. Especially, well, I, I, I'll, know, I'll, I'll stick up for Wilsey. Like, uh, he and I really aren't on all that different pages, um, really at all. So, I Derek, I, I know for a fact that Derek agrees with you 100% on that. Uh, the only thing that Derek is, is the only the only area that Derek and I are on slightly different pages is that you know I'm I'm of the opinion that yeah you need to trade the pending UFAs. He's more like well I'm just not quite there yet. What about re-signing them potentially and let's see where they are come the Christmas break. That's that's really the only difference that we have. So it's not even really a disagreement. Yeah. It's just like very, very slight true. different the pages. So I, but I know for a fact that he and many others, I don't think there's very many people who think the Flames should go through the trade deadline and, and let these guys unsigned past the deadline without getting traded. I think, I think most are on the same page that, that whether they're in a playoff spot or not a playoff spot, that they, they can't let that happen. Yeah, I agree. My only like rebuttal would be like based on what the contracts were rumored to be for especially Hannafin and Lindholm. There's no way if we're circling back to that now. There's no way I'm giving them those contracts again. Like with all due respect to Elias Lindholm, there's no way I'm paying him nine million over eight years, and there's no way I'm giving Hannafin seven million or seven and a half million over eight. So unless they want to take less and perhaps even less term, there's no way I'm giving them those deals that were rumored to be offered. That, and that, that's right. where I'm like, no matter what, I trade them, you know? Sorry, I'm just not, because I think you're, you're, you're really doing yourself a disservice and harm in the future if you're, get, you're handing out that kind of money and that kind of term to those guys. Right. So that, that's where I, I feel like I'd rather trade them. But we'll see. Look, impressive win tonight. Uh, Dallas wasn't at their best, but nevertheless, Dallas, in my opinion, is one of the, the cup contenders this year. And... Calgary did a good, did a good job of of beating them tonight, and tomorrow is going to be a really tough game, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, it, 
like I said, you got to credit the team. When they play horrible, we'll say they play horrible. When they play well, you say they play well. And they beat they beat a team that's clearly superior to them tonight. But tonight, they were the better team. Good to hear from you, George. We'll probably talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, my friend. Take care. Have a great night. You too, man. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Following a Flames 7-4 win over the Dallas Stars as we say hello to Travis. What's up, Trav? What's up, Patty? Not much, man. Um, so, yeah, the only one I could see, um, like, possibly resigning, even though I don't think it's going to happen, would just be Hannafin because he's not that old. Um, and I think he skates really well, like uh, you were saying earlier. And um, so I just think I think you'll sadly miss him when, when you move him. You'll be looking for a guy just like Hannafin. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, again, if – Depending on the way things go, uh, if there were to be one that I would subscribe to re-signing, it would still it, it would be Hannafin, I think, especially based on um, some of the uh, just some of the the contract rumors that are out there in terms of what certain players are looking for or could be looking for. Um, I don't know if I I love the rumored seven and a half million dollars over seven or eight years, um, but um, yeah, I I, I definitely. I mean, he's the youngest of the group because he started his career so young. Um, he has he's getting to unrestricted free agency younger than a lot of guys do so yeah i mean i i still think that there's a pretty good argument to be made that what you'd get for him in a trade would be as good value if not better for the organization than re-signing him based on where the org is right now but that doesn't mean that a that 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 opinion couldn't change on my end be that uh, you know the the dollar figure that we're talking about maybe could come down a little bit uh, on, on talking about Hannafin, and then there's the other important thing that I guess would be point C is what is his desire to stay here? Does he want to stay? Is he interested in resigning? So all those things would be on the table. Yeah, you know, because once you move him out, if you bring him back prospects like you're saying. Or like like has been talked about over the last few few days or weeks, whatever we want to say. Um, you add those to the young players you already have, and I think you're building towards something. So, for example, the Z- Zagwear, or I can't say his name properly, but... Zellweger's. That's just getting... one of the names that I've thrown yeah, out. Yeah, throw out Brent Clark's name. There's lots of potential really good young players that I think could be potentially got in a trade involving some of these players so say some of these players we're talking about and i know it's kind of like a wide area but if you're getting a prospect like that where do you think they stack up on against the prospects we already have in the system like would they be near the top That's yeah out. yeah they would instantly be like on, on either of those two names elwager or or clark instantly be the number one d prospect fair yeah, so exactly. If you can bring players like that, and I think we've got a wealth of players that are, are trending in the right direction, and obviously we like the progression that we're seeing. Um, I think it's, it could be very beneficial to, you know, add some more pieces like that and and, and see what you could develop over the next several years. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the proper way to go. Like everyone's saying, the full rebuild's not a guarantee and is pretty painful. 
um, only one team wins every year, and yeah, obviously you want a superstar, but you you also I think can build in different ways. Um, we we've had some decent decent draft picks, and I'd say overall I'd say our drafting is average. But imagine if you could hit a Braden Point or um, like a Kucherov or something like that in a later round than the first round, and you hit on a player like that. That's also helps change your franchise around as well, mm-hmm. like a Robertson or, you, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, Robertson's uh, the one draft for Dallas. They got Ottinger, Robertson, and uh, Haskinen. Yeah, and Haskinen was the third overall pick that year. But the other ones, Ottinger was a late first, and Robertson was a second. So um, it, yeah. it can you be know, done. There, there's those, yeah, so I think that – and it's obviously easier to say say than to do, but um, but if you if you can do that as a franchise, which I don't think we've really done that, maybe Fox, I guess, but Fox was never going to play here anyways. Well, I mean, you know, we the, have... their their 2015 draft is is pretty solid, and I think it'll go down as uh, a draft that really helped the team. Um, really helped the team get to a different level. They got Anderson, Mangiapane, and Shillington all in the same draft, and I know that Oliver's not playing with the group right now, but it's a pretty good draft. Yeah, yeah, I know that is, but you need a few of those, I think. But but you get my draft anyways. It's, it's You need to hit on, you know, hopefully you can hit on a superstar in the second or third round. And Look, if, and you, if you're going to go in any type of different direction, and if you're going to go um, young in any way, shape, or form, if you're doing that, you're putting your faith in your scouting staff. And and I think Calgary, I think Dom LeCision just put something out there which had Calgary's uh, drafting record over the last little bit as number two in the NHL. Um, I, I haven't got a chance to read it. I just saw that on Twitter earlier today. But you're putting your faith in your scouting staff. And I think this scouting staff, on, especially on the amateur level, has done really good over the last seven or eight years. Fair, yes. Um, and then, yeah, like, I don't think she'll intend probably ever play again for the Flames. That's how it feels to me. I obviously don't know anything, but but um, that's kind of a, another hole that he could really fill, especially with moving these defensemen out. Um, it's unfortunate that Shillington's not on the back end. Well, look, I'll, I, I, I would say this about Oliver. I, I don't know if he's going to play again this season with the team, but I have a pretty good feeling that if he were to be ready to resume his NHL career, whether it's this year, obviously it would be with the Flames, but if it was next year, I mean, I, I, I believe there's been a lot of um, gratitude to the organization from Oliver for the way they've handled this and, and the way that they've really been uh, empathetic and and they've they've just been, for a guy who's dealing with some really difficult mental health things right now, they've been, they've been straight up awesome with it. And, and I think that there's a, a large amount of gratitude from Shillington and how the Flames have dealt with this. And so as a result, if, if, Maybe he's not able to come back this year, but if he was feeling like he was ready to come back the year after, I, I don't think that he'd be – I think it would be very much 
in the realm of possibility that staying with the Flames is the thing that he would look at doing. So I don't know what the future holds for Oliver. I hope he comes back, uh, and I hope we see him in a Flames jersey again. But I, I, don't, I can't sit here and tell you um, definitively whether I, I actually think that's going to happen or not because you know sometimes these things are, are really tough to uh, they're, they're tough to gauge because you know you got a guy who's dealing with uh, some really difficult things. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right, Patty. Yeah, um, nice to see them win, I guess. Um, you know, I think the effort's been there most of the season. I don't think they ever give up too much, and um, they're always skating, except for maybe the first little batch there. But ever since then, I think I think the effort's been there most nights. So that's at least something you like to see, win or loss, as the effort is there. Thanks, Trav. Yeah, see ya. See ya, buddy. Uh, let's say hello to Jennifer following a 7-4 win in Dallas. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, Pat. It's your favorite Ruzichka fan. How are we doing? <laughs> I'm so excited. He did, scored did, tonight. Uh, did your amazing. boyfriend get out of the uh, out of the doghouse? Uh, it took a while, but we're going to see Dallas on – or, yeah, no, but the Kings on Monday, so we're uh, we're excited. I'm, okay. I'm going to let him come with me to cheer on Rosichka. Okay. He starts a rosy chant. So, okay. Um, I had a question for you. Yeah. So when the players on Dallas were, like, banging their sticks on the net, do you – like, was there ever a thing where you'd get an unsportsmanlike penalty for doing something like that? It has to be pretty egregious for it to happen. Like, it would have to be, like – bang stick on net and then take the shard of your stick and fire it down the ice and <laughs> then like it has to be pretty agree they, they allow they allow some frustration I mean we've seen uh we've seen guys I mean Mackenzie Weger probably has snapped seven or eight sticks of his own this year when he's been frustrated so yeah I mean if, it, if it's egregious and it's you know borderline embarrassing then yeah then they'll they'll maybe call it unsportsmanlike but if it's something like that where you give up an empty net goal and you had a 4-2 lead and you end up losing 7-4 uh they're, they're not usually going to penalize you on that i suppose that makes a lot of sense i guess someone had a fiddle in the band tonight down on the flames team i i think that was pretty yeah, awesome they played in won, texas so. tonight yep <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Well, I did. Hopefully we will catch you on uh, Monday after we maybe make a repeat. I hope Rizichka comes down with uh, the hey, we just hey, for, for you, like that. that's this best game of the season, so you got to be oh super happy. I was so excited. I immediately was like, that's it. I'm calling. I'll wait on hold for over an hour to talk to you about it. I don't mind. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. I hope you have an awesome night, and I'm super excited. So Jordan doesn't have to sleep outside. <laughs> I'm happy for that as well. Uh, Jordan needs to sleep inside. I think probably happy too. <laughs> uh, thanks, yeah, Jennifer. Good to hear from you. You too. Bye-bye. See ya. Uh, Flames win 7-4 in Dallas as we say hello to Anand. What's going on, Anand? Good evening, Patty. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, exciting game tonight. Uh, great win. I like how they came back up uh, after the Dallas has scored uh, tonight. I also liked how uh, Backlund was so energetic. I think he approved that pass from Zari. I think I read his list saying, oh, wow, that was amazing, correct? What's that? Uh, the Backlund, uh, where Backlund scored the pass from Zari, uh, he approved that goal and it was amazing, right? Oh, yeah, it was a really nice goal, yep. Yeah, and I, I was going to probably gonna ask you tonight. Uh, what do you think about Backlund? Uh, but he scored, so that was amazing. Uh, 
I'll ask you though, what do you, do you think about uh, two and Zadorov on how they play tonight? Still think Zadorov is fighting it more than you'd like to see. Um, you know, he kind of had a uh, he had a bit of a hiccup on the one nothing goal, I believe it was the Wyatt Johnson goal, where he made a uh, a bad pinch on it and. Um, as a result, ended up in a star's goal. Uh, so I, I have not liked Zadorov as much since the trade request. I think that, you know, uh, it's pretty easy to draw that correlation as to when his game went from one level to another level. So I haven't liked it as much since then. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was – again, I thought he – that third pair wasn't as as strong as the other two pairs in this game tonight. Uh, Zadorov finished with 18-31, played 17 at even strength. Um, and I thought, I, I do think that he actually got better as the game went along. I actually didn't mind yeah. Zadorov in the, in the final, I don't know, 35 minutes of this game. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, he, he hasn't been as good since the trade request in my eyes. Uh, as for Huberdo, yeah, I thought he was kind of just – he wasn't bad, but he wasn't as effective as he has been the last four, three or four games. Uh, great. Uh, what would be the uh, – so talking about the trade request of Zadar, uh, what do you think is the earliest we can see – a trade happening here. Uh, do you think it will be near to the Christmas break? I mean, honestly, and yeah. it could be tomorrow. It could be the trade deadline, and, I, and it's not even me copping out. I just, it, it's all about you know when the Flames can wrestle back their leverage, and also all about you know when they get the type of return they're looking for for them. So, yeah, I, honestly, they could trade them tomorrow, or they could yeah. trade them on March eighth. All right, sounds good. And for tomorrow, it will be most likely Dan Vladar starting, correct? Yeah, he's really good in Colorado, so I, I'd be shocked if it's not Vladar. All right, sounds good, buddy. Yeah, I took your advice from yes, uh, day before yesterday as well for yesterday. Yeah, the interviews went well, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm glad they went well. Good to hear, buddy. All right, you have yourself a great have a night. Day. Yeah, talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, have a Th- good night. Thanks, Anand. Uh, let's say hello to Al at 403-240-4444 following a Flames 7-4 win in Dallas. What's up, Al? Oh, uh, nice to take my call, Pat. Yeah, I heard uh, uh, Mr. Conroy went down paid a visit to the dressing room a few weeks back and you know, I'm thinking he kind of give him the what for about effort and caring or giving a poop and uh and I uh, it reminded me of uh when he, when they played Tampa Bay in 04 he was he was the only NHLer I've ever seen that played on rubber legs and uh, I was thinking there's probably guys in the dressing room that saw that too and knew who knew who was talking to him and where he was coming from and I think they they took it to heart and and they that switched things around a lot I you know I, re, I really think that happened there there's a uh, there, I think there's a few things that have happened kind of uh, from a intangible side of things uh, that that could very well be one of them uh, I think the yeah. the, the flames are uh, just, just hold on let me just let me let me Al, just let me finish the sentence, and then and then you go. I was just going to add one more thing. Um, I, I really think that when Michael Backlund uh, went and told a couple guys, hey, we got to keep this stuff inside the locker room, and then went to Ryan Huska and said, deliver that message, like let's keep stuff inside the locker room, I think that went a long way too. Oh, yeah, for sure it all adds up. Yeah, the Flames are playing really well 
in the offensive and neutral zones without the puck, and that's that's really setting up their game. And uh, I think they got to improve in the defensive zone, and it's just uh, basically improvement just comes to understanding that it's the same as the offensive and neutral zone. I mean, it's a smaller space, and, and I, I saw that tonight. I thought they they had more. I'd call it a, a pressure zone, where before it was just a straight zone. Now there's a little more pressure with it. And and they're reading each other too, so they know. And they, you know, the game—it's a simple game, and I think Husk is keeping the game simple for them. And it, it seems to be showing, you know, in their in their play there. I know when the score, when Dallas made it four-two, I thought I was just saying to myself, I just hope they keep their patience, and I felt they did. And and yep. patience leads to control, and you can see they just got I, someone. You know, I, I was thinking, did Dallas play a bad game? And I thought, not really. I, I think they played a pretty decent game, and I think the Flames just took it to them. Yeah, and I mean, what, whether whether Dallas played well or not, I mean, I I, I definitely if you watch the Stars play Vegas on uh, on Wednesday, that was it was a very different looking team as the one like this one just felt. I, I I wonder a little bit if the Stars because they were scoring fairly easily, if they felt like maybe it was going to be an easy night yeah, and yeah, felt well, like they were playing a team right that was that. well maybe below them in the standings. Al, Al, just let me. Al, I'm I'm not cutting you off. Just let me. Fa- I'm, I'm making quick sentences here. Um, I just I, I wonder if Dallas felt like this is going to be easy. We're playing an out of the playoffs team. We're going to roll right over them. And and the Flames never got away from their game. I thought they. I thought Calgary was better from start to finish. Man, I thought they were the better team tonight. Yeah, well, yeah, they were. But Dallas didn't. They didn't. They weren't. They weren't chicken soupy there either. You know, they they played a decent game. But yeah, really, the turnaround. Maybe the Flames. I heard they got hammered by the Townsend Tigers here a few weeks ago. Yeah, those ta- Townsend Tigers. I tell yeah. you, every well, year. Well, there you go. That's every that maybe, year. Maybe what did it for them. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They've responded to that loss really well. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, Pat. You have a great evening. You eh? too, Al. Appreciate okay, it, man. Uh, okay, uh, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. We'll get back to your phone calls, get back to your texts here very, very shortly. Um, but let's go back inside the Flames locker room. I want to hear from uh, Yegor Sharangovich because, boy, did he have a great game tonight. Gets named the number three star on the road in Dallas. He has a goal and two assists for his first First three-point night as a member of the Flames. I think outside of just the points, because, you know, he got an assist on the empty netter. I think even outside of the points, uh, this was by far his best game as a member of the Flames. He was flying. He was uh, involved. He was good defensively. Uh, and Sharon Govich, who now has three goals in his last four games, he's up to five on the season. Feels like he's really starting to settle in. Uh, and he had himself a really good night. Ties a career high with three points in one game. Here's Yegor Sharon Govich game in Dallas. Hey, just let's start with that um, that third period. What did that mean to your group to to win a game like that against a team like this? I think it's really a good comeback because you know first two periods it's like not good. We played not well, you know. But third period when we come when we come to third period we more played aggressive, you know, more like better for check when we make it a couple turnovers, like when we make it a couple good plays and. Like on a rush and score goals. I think, yeah, it's really good for the group. You know, it's third game on the road, and you know, we have a game tomorrow, and like everyone is positive now, and tomorrow will be game too. Yeah, Blake mentioned that quiet confidence. Do you guys feel that in here going into the third period, even though you're down by one? The confidence? Uh, 
just sort of like a, a feeling like we can come back in this game? Yeah, of course. Like everyone just, you know, trust to everyone and trust who can win, you know, and just did be comeback no. in the game. How do you feel right now with goals in two straight games? Uh, like, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yegor uh, Sharon Govich. I give the guy a ton of credit. Obviously, English is not his first language, but he'll come out. He'll talk to. Imagine doing that in front of microphones and not your second language. Like, I speak passable French. Um, I would be terrified to go and speak to people in French in front of cameras and microphones like that. Good on Parks for re-asking the question like that. And uh, I always find it really, really impressive that, you know, I don't know, uh, 30% of the league doesn't speak English as a second lang- as a first language, maybe more. And they're always coming out and talking to the media like that. It's always very impressive to me. Anywho, that was Yegor Sharangovich, who also happens to be our player with heart tonight, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. I just I know he was a star. I just it's it's tough not to go down this road with Sharangovich tonight. So uh, he ends up playing. Um, I'll give you his uh, five on five on ice metrics first. He plays eleven twenty five at five on five. Um, Flames had a, a nine five edge in shot attempts when he was on the ice. Uh, he was on the ice for uh, two goals for one against. Scoring chances were two uh, six four Flames, including two nothing at high danger when he was out there at five on five. But listen to his individual night. Sharon Govich led the team with six, uh, eight shot attempts. He led the team with five shots. He led the team with five scoring chances and led the team with two individual high danger chances. So led the team in shots, shot attempts, scoring chances, and high danger scoring chances tonight. Had to go with Yegor Sharangovich as tonight's player with heart. Best game as a member of the Flames, and he's really starting to settle in. The player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Okay, phone lines open, text line open, and uh, this is your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Flames win 7-4 in Dallas, and tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. Michael Backlund snapped an eight-game goalless drought with his third of the season. Let's hear from the captain following a 7-4 win in Dallas. Just, uh, hey, listen, we talked this morning about, um, uh, obviously, the, uh, the opponent and an opportunity um, here tonight. How did you find a way to, to pull this one out? Yeah, we stuck with it. Uh, it was a game that went back and forth all night, and... Um, you know, chosen character again, come back in the third uh, with a big win. It's, uh, yeah, the boys really rallied and showed some resilience again. So uh, huge win for us. How would you describe, you know, the start to that third period and maybe the, you know, the intensity you guys played with? Yeah, we came, came out with some uh, good jump and uh, we want to dictate right away that we want to, you know, get that next goal. And uh, yeah, I thought everyone chipped in and all lines and pairs were involved in scoring and playing well on both ends. Uh, so yeah, a really big third from the whole group. It's a, the start of this really tough schedule. It couldn't have been a better way for you guys to start, I'd imagine, in your mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we got some <laughs> tough games coming up and a uh, tight schedule. I mean, we've had a tight schedule now for a while, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, these are the great challenges and the, you know something you got to rise up to and really embrace, and that's something we talked about this morning. And um, Yeah, we started to win now, and now we got to keep going here and keep pushing ourselves.
that pass from Connor Zeri, did you have any idea it was actually going to land right on your stick? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, yeah, I thought he was going to shoot it maybe. Uh, so I was just driving the net and uh, he kept holding it. So I was pretty happy I saw it in passing. And once I saw it land, I was just trying to get a hard net and uh, it was nice to win. It was a great play. Mm-hmm. Any question, Blake scores and in, in, an opportunity to come back to Texas is kind of it. Oh, it's his first, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's actually, it may be, yeah. yeah. I think it might be one of I think yeah, last year he told me he never scored here, so yeah. uh, I think <laughs> might be, you might have to double check that, but I think he told me last year he never scored here. And okay. I looked him off last year, so he was sure to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I think it's his first. Okay. So, same place, same time next year, yeah, Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, or, yeah 100%. Or? That was pretty nice. Uh, Nice, uh, nice house the in-laws had. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, Michael Backlund post-game uh, following. You know, I'm gonna quickly. I gotta quickly now go look this up because because uh, they brought it up while they were talking about it right there. Text line remains open at 960-960. We'll get there in just a second. Um, I'm just going to quickly go look up uh, Blake Coleman's career against the Dallas Stars. I can't do that. It's not it's not, not going to be as quick as I'd like it to be. Um, just going to have to bear with me a little bit more so I can go and uh, confirm and or deny what Michael just said there. Uh, Michael Backlund, by the way, snapped an eight-game goalless drought by scoring his third of the season. Uh, he did that to make it 6-4. to four. Really gave the Flames some... Uh, really gave the Flames some breathing room in the third period when he converted that goal, um, converted that goal, and converted that really nice pass from Connor Zeri to make it uh, 6-4 at the time. Almost ready to look this up. Uh, that was Blake Coleman's first goal in Dallas. So Michael is correct. Uh, Coleman had never scored in Dallas prior to this game tonight. So good on him. Um, he uh, he did just that. Uh, Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman, we've heard from Yegor Sharangovich, live from Connor Zary, and also from head coach Ryan Huska. Comprehensive post-game coverage on your Flames Talk post-game show. It's time to look ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up for the Flames, they're into Colorado on Saturday night. And uh, the Flames have not been so successful against the Avalanche in recent times. Uh, they are 3-6-0 and against the Avalanche in their last nine head-to-head games against them uh, since the 1920 season. That was the year after the Flames lost to the Avalanche in the playoffs in five games in the spring of 2019. So since the fall of 2019, following that, Flames have lost 6-9 uh, of nine against the Avalanche. Only one regulation win for the Flames in that stretch that was to start last season when they beat him 5-3 the other two have been in overtime so the Flames have beaten the Avalanche just once in regulation in their last nine head-to-head so they'll see if they can pick up two points against the Avs on Saturday night the Avalanche by the way uh, also played tonight. They were in Minnesota, so the Flames have got a you know decent haul to get from Dallas to Colorado uh, in the second half of a back-to-back. But the Avalanche also traveling from somewhere else to land in Denver, so they'll be playing the second half of a back-to-back with travel as well. Avalanche beat the Wild 3-2 earlier on Friday, so both teams will be coming off a win. Only advantage the Avs would have in that regard would be the fact that they are on home ice. 
Uh, so that is the next game for the Flames. And they kick off a six-game homestand Monday when they host the Vegas Golden Knights at 7.30 p.m. Saturday's game in Colorado is at 8 o'clock. It's on Hockey Night in Canada. There you go. That is your Looking Ahead feature brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Back to the text line we go at 960-960. This says, listen, Pat, I really hope Conroy understands they need to trade all the expiring contracts and rebuild on the fly. Wins like tonight are enjoyable but should not change how we see this team. Markstrom's also a huge trade chip, and I would make sure they get the most they can for him at the deadline. I don't know if I'm quite ready to talk about dealing Markstrom. I'm not saying he's not a good trade chip. I just don't know if I'm ready to go down the road where they're also trading away guys who are under contract. Now, I know they got to open up some space for Dustin Wolf. I just don't know if I'm ready to have Markstrom be the guy that I am, am looking at moving. That's just me, though. Uh, this from Fred and Cranston. With regards to Zadorov's trade request, let's call it the way it is. Is it really ice time, or could it be more personality dressed? differences in the dressing room, i.e. differences perhaps with the captain or players. He did say he'd like to play in Calgary for a while. In your professional opinion, where do you feel is the disconnect if you were to guess? I do think part of it is ice time. I do think that absolutely plays into it. He's looking at it as a chance to really hit it big as a pending unrestricted free agent and playing on a third pair so feels like you know the 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 opportunity maybe hasn't been there exactly where he'd like it to be I'm not saying that he I agree with it but I think that's maybe where he's coming from I also think there's some frustration that he went to the flames um, earlier in the season whether it was in training camp or early in the regular season I think there was some frustration that he went to the team and said hey I'd be I'd really like to sign here long term and they weren't willing to do that at the time and and I don't blame them. I, they're, they're being really pragmatic with the way they're going about things and weren't ready to go down the you know six- or seven-year contract conversation with the Zadorov camp at that time. So I think that also plays into it. But, yeah, I, I also think that you know some of the comments that Zadorov has made publicly, going back to when he said we're playing too much like individuals and talked about, hey, the excuses are gone, Daryl Sutter's gone, I think that stuff also – kind of didn't go over as well as uh, not even that you'd think I just don't think it went over all that well because they're like I, I think there was a feel inside the locker room of hey enough distractions like we've already got enough swirling around this team don't add more like let's not self-inflict distractions and so I think that was something that that maybe wasn't great and then the public trade request so that that would be how I'd answer that Fred fair question though absolutely um this says, Pat, I like the way Huska plays who's going, regardless of what their stature is on the team. Also, can you let us know when Pelche is going to be back? That comes from Johnny. I know Mick, Megan uh, Mickelson agrees with you 100% in terms of the way Huska rolls the guy that he's that, that, that are playing well on any given night. I think it's a really good quality um, that, that we're talking about a coach that if you're not going, you may not be playing as much when it gets to crunch time. And if you are, it doesn't matter if you're a $1 million player or a $10.5 million player, uh, you, you, you're going to end up being in a situation where you know maybe your ice time gets dialed back if you're not helping the team win or you're not on your game that night as for Pelche I think January is a 
realistic target. I still think we're in the six to eight week range for when he might be able to return. They're being really cautious with it uh, because they want to make sure that A, there's no chance of re-injuring and that it's fully back up to strength, like the shoulders 100% and then some, but also they want to give him lots of time to get back up to speed skating-wise, practice-wise. So uh, they want to put him in a spot to succeed. So I would say still in the six- to eight-week window, 2024 is what we're talking about for uh, Jacob Pelche and his return. This from Josh and Red Deer. I didn't get to watch, but listen to the start of the second on the way to my beer league game. Just wondering if you could comment on how Sharon Govich looked with Lindholm because it sounded like they had some real chemistry. Also, what changed in the third period that I missed? Uh, on the second question, nothing changed in the third period. That's part of the reason why the Flames won this game is that despite the score, uh, they really came to play all night and so despite being down 4-2 and then 4-3 after 40 minutes of play they just kept on playing the way they'd played in the first 40 and got rewarded for it so actually in my eyes nothing changed in the third period as for the uh, Lindholm line with Sharon Govich and Manjapani thought it was the best line tonight uh, they really made things happen out there and I do think there's a little chemistry starting to build between Lindholm and Sharon Govich I thought we saw it tonight and I think we've seen it beyond tonight so that's uh, that's good news as well um, this says it was amazing to watch everyone slamming Sharon Govich at the start of the season New team, new city. It takes more than a few games to figure things out, let alone getting comfortable with the city and the team. Flames fans need to calm down sometimes. This is from Jared in Seton. Couldn't watch the game. Saw it was 4-2 Dallas, then saw it ended 7-4. But what do I actually want from this team? Do I actually want them to stay badish so they can offload and get some assets to retool? Or do I want them to start winning and maybe even look at playoffs and risk losing some or all of their UFAs for nothing? Both in that... They can be a playoff team and still, or they can be a competitive team and be in the playoff mix and still trade away their UFAs, which I think they will do. If they are not re-signed, I think that you will absolutely see those guys get dealt at the trade deadline if they're not uh, signed. Um... This says, I don't know if this has been said, but I uh, really like Megan Mickelson's analytic style broadcasting and the hockey knowledge she brings to the broadcast. Uh, some questions she asks, like more in-depth hockey plays and strategy knowledge and how she analyzes and dives deeper into some of the plays uh, since she was a former player is really refreshing. I love her style and a new analytical face at the broadcast. She needs to keep it up. Thoughts? I disagree completely. No, of course I agree. She's been awesome for us. Um... I agree completely. Dan and Cochran says, great W tonight. To me, I'm on team sell, but they can change my mind if they significantly significantly climb the standings. You don't win Stanley Cups unless you're top 10 overall in the standings. Only two of 18 Cup champs in the cap era were not in the top 10, but they both had midseason coaching changes and played well above top 10 paces after the changes. Read into that what you will, but to me, you don't win if you just get in as a middling team. If the Flames are top 10 at the deadline, then maybe things get interesting. If they're not, the path for me is simple. We'll see if they keep playing like this or revert back to what they would have been the last 90 to 100 games. Uh, this says, there was no hope in Sutter's dressing room. Belief is the difference this year. The coach and the players believe in themselves, um, not 
head games from the coach. Daryl killed the team's confidence, and it's just turning around now. Go Flames, go. That comes from Trent on Vancouver Island. Uh, Matt in Blackfall says that Zeri pass was reminiscent of what a young Backlund was doing, how perfect that pass goes to Backlund. No question I'd take another Backlund-type player for a long tenure. Uh, this says super good to see the boys making comebacks. Didn't have much of that last year. They sure didn't. Uh, this, what a roller coaster this year. Pat, I was ready to sell after Nashville. If Connie gets a game changer, who would you eyeball and what would you have to give up? I'm thinking Zadorov, Hannafin, and Lindholm for an NHL game changer and a first or second or a farm-ready NHL defenseman. That's from Todd. I don't know if you're getting a immediate game changer in any of these trades. I don't think you're getting anybody who comes in and, and is that type of player right now. Maybe in a few years, but not right now. And finally, from Will in BC... I was getting a bit down on Markstrom early, but I thought he had a pretty good third period. One thing I really like is no one looks to get any scoring titles this year, but the Flames are getting goals from all over the lineup. You have to appreciate the way this group works. Good win over a good team. I can see them making the playoffs with efforts like this. Do you agree? Um, yeah, I thought that they this was a solid effort, and um, this is the type of effort that if they play more of, then yeah, it'll keep them right in the playoffs. Uh, keep them right in the playoff mix, rather. And if you stay in the playoff mix you've got a chance to make it in fact you play more efforts like that and you play as consistently as they did tonight then you probably are able to put together the type of hockey that that might get you in the playoffs and then you can protect a little bit and uh, that could absolutely be the case see what happens. And finally from Claude, I think the Stars might have had some turkey hangover, but full credit to the Flames. Anyway, need to turn the page and we'll see what they've got against the Avs. There you go. Great stuff on the text line tonight at 960-960. Just uh, one more call before we wrap things up tonight. Let's say hello to Parsons following a 7-4 win in Dallas. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Yeah, it was definitely a very interesting game. Um, the one thing I liked was the push in the third for sure. And, um, you know, they really stuck to it, uh, throughout the game, but in the third, you know, they played really well as a team, you know, and, and what I really liked was they kept the foot on the gas. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like even after the two goal spread, they were still, they were still coming in waves and they were still playing smart and, um, I really appreciated that, so I'm proud of him for that win, even though it was, it was kind of a back-and-forth, kind of ugly game. But, um, yeah, um, and honestly, I even thought Huberto, I know, you know, he wasn't showing up and taking over the game or anything like that on the score sheet or nothing, but, you know, he made a lot of key plays out there defensively. Uh, especially with his stick near the end of the game. And yeah, I'm he was happy fine. That- I didn't think he was bad tonight. No, no, me neither. No, I, I just didn't I think, think he was as dynamic as he had been the the prior three or four. That's all. Oh, for sure. But um, I guess my point to that would be that while he's sneaky with passes sometimes, I think he's also sneaky good defensively sometimes too. Um, he's a hard guy to get the puck off of, and he's good with his stick. So, um, you know, good. I, I thought he was okay. The one guy that's kind of flying under the radar, I don't think we talk a lot about, but I think he's having a really good season too, is Coleman. Um, you know, besides tonight and the, the dinner and all that, but he's kind of reminding me of that player that we traded for that used to play in, you know, in Jersey and Tampa that we were all hoping to get. And, uh, to me, he's like, 
he's having that kind of season. You know, I will say, and and I I agree that Coleman's having a hell of a year and leads the team in goals, and and he's been great. I just I think that, and I think this is the best that we've seen him. And yet, yeah. I would say that every single every single return that the Flames have gotten from Coleman and the two plus seasons he's played, I think he's been as advertised. I have not been disappointed at any stretch in the way Coleman has played. Uh, I think that he has been, he's been exactly what they've signed him to be. And that is damn good defensively, a leader Mm -hmm. and adds a little bit of, of secondary scoring. He's coming off a career year where he had 38 points last year. So I he's right. he's healthier than he's ever been as a member of the Flames. So I think mm-hmm. his game's taken it to an even higher level this year, which is great because I think his yeah. first two seasons were absolute check marks. You know, it's either, if, if you're asking me to rank Brad Tree Living's unrestricted free agent work, it's either him or Chris Tanev is my number one signing because both yeah. guys, in my opinion, have been exactly as advertised on the deals that they signed and what the Flames were bringing them in for. Absolutely. And, I'm and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from his first couple of seasons. Uh, he did really well. I think that there's always been, at least in my mind, this thing around Coleman where there's another gear there, um, and that's what we're all kind of hoping, you know, if he's on your team. So I'm just I'm, – I'm really proud of him this year. He's doing really good. So – um, same as Sharon Govich. Um, you know, I've mentioned this guy a few times before. I, I'm really interested in this player as a general whole. Uh, he's just, he's got a lot of tools in that toolkit. And I really, really appreciate him being able to play on both sides of the puck. And he's got some silky mitts, this guy, but he's also very defensively responsible. And I love having him on the, you know, the PK. And, yep. uh, um, does, does Hubie get any PK time? I was trying to. Uh, unless unless it's like in a situation where the penalty kill is ending and they put okay. him out there, like, you know, with two or three seconds left to get a little bump up ship, shift after, the, after mm-hmm. the penalty kill. No, he doesn't kill penalties. Okay. I, I think that would be an interesting assignment for him because I think he is good. He, he's, he's a smart player. Let's put it that way. And uh, I he think averages uh, he's at, he he is a grand total of forty three seconds of penalty kill time this year. Oh wow! Um, oh wow! Okay. And okay. Uh, I I'm I'm just quickly going back though to um, uh, look at his time. He did kill penalties in Florida. I'm just going to go look at his time. Yeah, he's killed penalties before. He just hasn't as a member of the Flames. That's all. Um, he like for instance in his 115 point season. He uh, averaged uh, he averaged a minute fifty of penalty kill time per game. So he was. Oh, wow. yeah, I'm just trying to look here. He would have been amongst forwards. Uh, he was. It looks like he was part of the the second penalty killing forward pair in Florida mm-hmm. in his 115 point season. Looked like they went uh, Barkov Lindell first, and then Huberdo Lusterinen went uh, after okay. that. Yeah, I, I think that that would be something that would benefit him and the team because he's a very smart player, and he's like I say, he's he's hard to get off the puck, and he can make smart plays too. So, um, other than that, uh, just quickly on the future here with these uh, pending UFAs, yeah, I I really do hope that we take a long hard look at moving. Like I love your Anaheim proposal, by the way. I think it's I I love that that prospect Zellweger. Um, 
that's that that's the kind of trades I want to see. And I know a lot of people weren't big on the Toffoli trade, but I I personally like that trade. I think it's going to pay dividends down the road because you know a lot of people forget we got that second round pick, and, third round pick, or sorry, third round pick, and it. I think it's just you know between the player that you get immediately and that kind of um, down the road, um, hopefully addition. Um, I, I like trades like that, and I hope we kind of explore more trades like that where there's a guy who's like a Sharon Govich, and then you get like a second or a first. You know, I, I think that will be good going forward because we have to remember like three or four years from now, we're going to have a new arena, and I really hope we stock the cupboards because, listen, I'm sure the Flames are getting tired of overpaying, you know, free agents or people to be, you know, wanting to be here. Um, I think it's important for Calgary to, you know, develop their own. And it doesn't always work out, obviously. Some people ask to go. But um, I think that's the way to go. Keep keep stock in the cupboards and uh, keep the draft picks coming. So I, I think that's – if you're a Canadian team and you're not Toronto, where everyone wants to go in the world, um, that's the way you got to do it, right? I think that I, I think yeah. There's there's uh, a lot to be said about doing it that way. Um, I don't think it's it's universal, but yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So, no, I, I hope um, you know um, the only guy I can see wanting, I would potentially want to resign would be Hannafin. But even then, um, you know, I see guys like Etienne Morang, you know, coming up the ranks. He's having another great year and. Uh, Moncton, you know, guys like that. Like, you know, if we can just keep adding guys like that, uh, if we can capitalize on Hannafin and the other fellows, I, I think that's definitely the way to go. Set ourselves up for, you know, day one in the new arena. Have something um, exciting to put on the ice, essentially, right? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, other than that, man, that's all I got, brother. All right, Pars, good to hear from you, man. Okay, thanks. Uh, and that'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. That'll wrap us up on the text line tonight as the Flames come from behind to beat the Dallas Stars 7-4. But, you know, despite the fact they were down 4-2, I just thought it was a really solid game for the Flames. That They played well tonight. thought it was a pretty solid 60-minute effort. They didn't lead until the third period, but I actually quite liked the way they played all night, and so I thought they were full marks and very deserving of the victory. They uh, Even the season series at one win apiece with Dallas, one more game still to come uh, sometime next week when the Stars visit the Flames as part of that six-game homestand. Time for our final summary tonight. Here's how tonight went. First period. Stars open it early, uh, open the scoring early. 73 seconds in, Wyatt Johnston scores his eighth of the year. Johnston from Jamie Benn and Evgeny Dodonov, and uh, at 113, it was 1-0 Dallas. Flames tie on an A.J. Greer goal a few minutes later. Greer's third from Dylan Dubé and Adam Rizicka at 819. But the Stars go back out in front. At 11:27 on Jason Robertson's sixth of the year, Robertson from Lundquist, and it was 2-1 Dallas after 20 minutes of play. Flames tie again, 43 seconds into the second period. Yegor Sharangovich's fifth of the year from Elias Lindholm and Andrew Mangiapane to make it two nothing. Uh, sorry, two two. But then uh, the Stars score two quick ones. Uh, first, Wyatt Johnston regains their one goal lead, his second of the night and ninth of the year from Ben and Dodonov at 4:44. Then on the power play, Joe Pavelski gives 
gives the Stars their first two-goal lead. His ninth from Matt Duchesne and Robertson at 8.53. That power play goal made it 4-2 Stars. Flames get one back less than five minutes later, though. It was a big one. Adam Ruzicka's third of the year from Chris Tanev and Greer at 13:27. Flames only down by one after 40 minutes of play. Then less than two minutes into the third, Texas native Blake Coleman ties the game. Flames battle back again. Coleman's team leading sixth from Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson at 1:53. Then 29 seconds later, first lead for the Flames as Elias Lindholm scores his fifth of the year. Lindholm from Sharon Govich and Manjapani at 2:22. Flames led five. Four. Then about five minutes later, they would extend that lead on Michael Backlund's third of the year. Backlund from Connor Zary and Coleman at 728. Flames led 6-4. And then Nazem Kadri seals this one into an empty net. At 18:21, Kadri's fourth from Sharon Govich gets us to our 7-4 final score. Final shots, 28-27 in favor of the Stars. Calgary goes 0 for 3 on the power play. Dallas 1 for 3 with the man advantage. Your three stars in the building tonight. Number three, Yegor Sharon Govich. Number two, Wyatt Johnson. And number one, Blake Coleman. With the win, Calgary improves to 8-9-3. and three. They're back in action tomorrow on the road in Colorado. While Dallas falls to 12-5-2, they're back in action Tuesday on the road in Winnipeg. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azamali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. Next up for the Flames, as we mentioned uh, before I get there, I'll tell you that that'll do it for our Flames Talk postgame show, which is is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. But yes, next up is Saturday night against the Colorado Avalanche, second half of a back-to-back. It's an 8 o'clock face-off, which means we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with your Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Friday, and have a great weekend ahead. Final score from Dallas, Flames win their sixth consecutive regular season game at American Airlines Center. Final score, Flames 7, Stars 4. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.